Calgary football fans, this is your quarterback, the Bo Show with Bo Levi Mitchell on Sportsnet 960, brought to you by SML Entertainment. What is going on, everybody? You've got Pender Steinberg, Bender, Matty Rose. You've got myself, Bo Levi Mitchell. You're listening to the Bo Show. We, uh, we've got an interesting one, man. We have, uh, we have some crazy scenarios going on. Not as crazy as last week. We've assured some of that to make it a little bit tougher. But standings-wise, we have a, a possible tie that will go down to the fifth or sixth element, depending on score. Yep. So don't quote me on this. I'm not exact. But I read it this morning, and I thought it was just insane. So... Technically, BC, SAS, Winnipeg could all tie. All right. So, BC and SAS. BC beat SAS by three points this week. They're, they, that makes the season series between those two one and one. Then you've got a point differential that would be tied because SAS beat BC earlier in the year by three. If BC turns around and beats us by 12, the division record would be tied at six and four each. And then their point differential in the division would be tied as well if they beat us by 12 points, and then it would go down to the fifth element. So I've got it. It's it's uh, three down nation, and there it, is. Uh, it was Drew Edwards at three down there you go. that uh, that put this out. So how it happens? Winnipeg lose to Calgary, lose to Edmonton. Edmonton um, after their bye beats Winnipeg. BC loses to Calgary and Saskatchewan. That would put all three of those teams at 9-9 nine and nine and would put together a three-way tie. You could also have a tie with Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, and BC. All like It's it's great, but the 9-9 nine and nine three-way is definitely in the mix. That would leave you at 14-4, and four, the Riders at 12-6, and six, then three 9-9 nine and nine teams, or there could be three 11 and seven teams saskatchewan winnipeg oh. and bc uh saskatchewan would have to lose to bc the bombers would have to beat calgary and edmonton and the lions would obviously beat the riders and the stampeders so then you'd have an 11 and seven three-way tie so it would be and, and in some of these instances you'd be going down to the fifth tie break in the cfl's time and the, basically the way it works is when they have their tiebreakers, you go into aggregate and quotient points first against the, the team that you're fighting with, mm-hmm. then against your division, then against the league. league, and then if you get all the way Jeez. down there, then you would end up having a coin toss to see who Good old-fashioned coin toss. Like, that uh, on national television. Friday, remember Friday Night Lights, the movie, with uh, with Billy Bob Thornton, and they have to flip the coin to see who is out of the playoff mix in Texas high school football? Can you I imagine would, it coming down to a coin flip? I would 100% want that coin toss to be Andre Pru. <laughs> yeah. Eds, BC, <laughs> Tails, Sask. Oh, he's got man. a very, no, he's he's got a very, uh, <laughs> very identifiable prominent. voice. Yes. And, very, very right. prominent. Yeah. Um, man, so, I mean, yeah, pretty nuts all over. But uh, so one thing I do want to comment on. So last week we were talking about the possibility in the East. We'll, talk, we'll switch over to East real quick. Talking Ottawa and Hamilton and the fact that if Hamilton wins that game, uh, what it would take for the uh, the tiebreaker at the end, basically whoever wins versus Toronto and Montreal, one of them would have to lose uh, in order for the other one to take the division. Um, we all chose Hamilton last week. Yeah. And in the first half, it looked like we were right. You know, I mean, uh, Masoli goes three touchdowns. Um, 
Ottawa doesn't look like they're really moving the ball very much at all. They're getting some field goals out of things. But uh, all of a sudden, I, I mean, I turned the game off. I switched over to Netflix after that. And then, you know, about 15, 20 minutes later, jump back in the game, and I see it's like 29, 28, and I'm like, what is going on here? You know, so I'm trying to get back on TSN app and, and look at the highlights to find out what plays happened. But, um, yeah, I mean, crazy scenario right there. Basically, Ottawa has guaranteed it unless um, – what? Basically, for Hamilton not to finish second, Hamilton would have to beat Ottawa this week. They'd have to basically Hamilton needs yeah. to win out. Ottawa needs to lose out for that to happen. Right. So that would mean Ottawa loses to Hamilton and loses their final game, and Hamilton wins their final. Which two is games. Ottawa hosts Toronto and Hamilton hosts Montreal. Yeah. And that's the game we said. So if they tied this, if they went one and one in the Split series, yeah. yeah, we said Toronto probably had the best chance of making that happen against Ottawa compared to Montreal making it happen yeah. against Hamilton. Right. Um, I mean, so let's 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 say it happens right now. You know, Hamilton comes back, wins this game, which there is a good chance they're they're at home. Uh, they played well at home this year. Is there is there a chance for the Ottawa lose out, Hamilton win out scenario? I can't see it. No Brandon Banks for the rest of the season. Uh, that completely changes their offense. And then we don't know what's going on with Delvin Bro, who. And, and you'd know this as a quarterback, like you don't throw to his side of the field. So you've got one of the best lockdown corners who may or may not be playing, and they're like the most explosive player in the CFL, both out potentially for this game, and who knows how long Brozell. I'm all of a sudden not in love with Hamilton all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, they're going to lose their identity in offense with Brandon Banks. I think that that was their go-to guy. Um, I mean, they, you know, he got a ton of yards, and he p- plays a big game, and uh, with him making the deep ball work for them without him the deep ball doesn't work as well and then it really condenses their offense they don't have that go over the top uh mentality right so i think it's going to make a big change here moving forward i mean i honestly you you want me to talk about hamilton ottawa i <laughs> will pull some guy off the street he's got a better take than i have <laughs> i will say this traditionally this guy to the show traditionally <laughs> in the sport this is a split right Hard yeah. to win both sides of a home. You and did. Home. You did call that and last I, time, and I yeah. say that all the time. And it's you know it's really not easy to do that. And look, Hamilton, this isn't. They're going to figure it out at some point. I'm not saying it's going to go well, but they better start finding solutions for for the two problems you guys posed. Well, uh, what I would say is that they didn't lose Luke Tasker, which yeah. I believe is what makes that offense run. I believe what makes it a well-oiled machine more so than is Banks, Brandon eh? Banks. Well, I think okay. I think Tasker makes the, the offense run. He's the guy that helps the guys get lined up. They talk the plays out. Um, he is—he was our Marquay for yes. a lot of years where he's the guy setting the picks. He's the guy kind of stemming his route perfectly to help get Brandon underneath on the drags, and then Brandon would catch it and split you know, three guys and run for a touchdown. The difference is I think you can plug Terrell Singfield in. He won't have the feel yet, but Terrell's been in this league for a couple of years. You know, I know he's gone back and forth at NFL tryouts, but – uh, Terrell's been in this league and he's done it very well. I think he'll step in either this game, maybe next game. Um, but you've got you've got Mark Way McDaniel back there. Um, you know, they've, I I believe they have the guys to do it. Um, and you saw him in the first half, man. I mean, Ottawa to me, Ottawa's defense didn't look spectacular in that game in that first half. Um, that touchdown to Brandon Banks on the sideline, the bubble. There's four receivers over there. There's only three DBs. 
That's that's as easy as a touchdown as you can get in the CFL. You throw the bubble yep. route. There's three guys to block three guys, and you got the fastest guy in the league with the the ball in his hand. So, um, to me, those are the things that have to be fixed, and I think Ottawa will fix those things. But what does that open up on the backside in the run game, which I think is kind of why that happened. What caused that touchdown is is I think they kind of Green came back and they started to focus on Green. They're worried about Masoli pulling the ball, um, which he's shown he will pull it down and run this year. So. I, I see Hamilton coming back, winning this next game, um, and then miraculous things can happen. But I, I still see both teams taking the win uh, in Week 22. So Ottawa still wins these, Tay? That's kind of where you're yeah, going? Yeah, I think they tie, but Ottawa takes it because of the head-to-head. Yep. So from a coaching perspective, I know that you have a bit different uh, – you know, you've been around June Jones a lot. Now, what do you think as far as a coaching perspective? Is it tip to Hamilton, tip to Ottawa? Who has who has a better coaching You know, going through here? both down the stretch and into the playoffs oh man um offensively i'd say i'd say hamilton i like what hamilton is doing this year i think they're simple um and because of that i think the guys on offense know what to do against every look they can get you know um jeremiah's run the same play which is a corner a flat and a curl probably 40 to 50 times this year Mm -hmm. you know and they're successful on it because he's seen it against so many different coverages they keep leaving a 6-0 lineman in, which just causes their backside corner to play low. They're getting man-to-man coverage of the field. Um, they make it simple, so the defense has to be simple. Mm-hmm. You know, so Sass can't run their their nine-man drop, three rush against what Hamilton does. They have to change what they do, uh, and I think that works in Hamilton's favor when it comes to any team they play. Is they say, hey, listen, this is how we're going to line up. You know, good luck beating us. Uh, we'll see if our, our 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 athletes are better than yours, and if our decision makers are better than yours. Um, but defensively, I would go the other way. Actually, sure. I think coming down to playoffs, I, I think it's Rick Campbell and mm-hmm. um, I keep wanting to say Elizondo. He's the offensive guy, but uh, the coach from Montreal last year is now in Ottawa. Um, Thorpe, Chapelain, Thorpe, No Thorpe, yeah, yeah, Thorpe, yeah. yeah. I think Thorpe, Campbell. I think that defensive uh, you know scenario. I think that's why they were able to make the adjustments second half. Stop what Hamilton was doing. Uh, so I, defensive wise, I'd say um, I'd say Hamilton. Or sorry, Ottawa. Offensive wise, I'd say Hamilton. Okay, it's interesting. I just, it's it's too bad that it's it's too bad that Hamilton wasn't able to win this game. Like and hold on, I don't have any rooting interest either way. It just would have been really interesting if it would have been like right now. A lot of things have to happen for Hamilton to have a chance. Like it's, I would say probably ninety percent assured that Ottawa is going to win. Maybe not that high, but they've got a much better chance of being. It would have been cool to see Hamilton win that game and then have this game mean a little bit more because even if Hamilton wins this game, it's still not guaranteed that they're going to win the division. Whereas you know if they win the first game, they sweep this thing, it becomes a little bit more interesting. So that's that that's a little unfortunate because it's not as chaotic as it could have been seriously chaotic in the west division but it's a little more cut and dried out east anyway so i want to propose a question you guys and i am not making a statement you're proposing <laughs> For a question. anybody out there okay. i'm i'm proposing a question okay bender played in the league you guys watch the games these scenarios start to come down to cfl okay here's a scenario of this week uh you know, with Hamilton, Ottawa, even especially us, SAS, Winnipeg, BC, Edmonton. Um, do you guys, as fans of the game, watching it, even with your knowledge of sports, do y'all ever feel like decisions from refs and from the league are made in the games based on these things? Oh, 
That's, that's a good question. Nice. That's a, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, if the answer is yes, it's not good. <laughs> you should you should officiate the game the same way, no matter what sort of ramifications are, what markets are involved. If that's what you're suggesting. I I agree 100 percent with what Pinder said. I mean, when you look at that, I mean, the refs have to you know be non-biased, so to speak, and uh, not try to drive league revenue and TV revenue. They should totally be making decisions based on what they saw. And uh, when they go to the command center, I know that that's interesting because we don't know who's at the command center. We don't know much about where it is, what's going on. I know it's so, in Toronto. That's all I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, exactly, right? So I've uh, seen the room. <laughs> I've seen the command center. And there are 30 TVs in there. Uh-huh. So when a call goes to the command center, I don't understand how it's not correct. They should get it right. They have the I resources. I don't understand how right. you have the technology, right? Would you rather they have the refs go in that little booth with the thing? No, absolutely head? not. I think he'd rather better? they go to the command center and get it right. Is okay. I'm, I'm proposing the question okay. of when the calls go to the command center, is it like, all right, looks like his knee is down. But if somebody wins this game next week, <laughs> this game actually oh. means something. Man, so let's make this is, a little bit more is, interesting. Is, is the command center corrupt? Yes, no. <laughs> is, is <laughs> there, I definitely don't think it's corrupt. Sometimes I just feel like calls are sometimes made uh, in the sense of keeping things tight. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the question is, is there a grand conspiracy theory with the command center in Toronto, the center of it? I would yeah. say no, but I haven't watched as closely as you guys have. I'll say this. All major sports that have replay and command centers, you think they are going to get it right, and each sport does find a way to somehow end Mess up with up. decisions that you're like, how did they get there? Yep. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. And I'm not saying that that's conspiracy. What I'm saying is there's still a lot of human error, and there's still mistakes that are being made. Well, I mean, yeah. look at look at the Astros game. Totally. You know, obviously I'm an Astros fan, so I'm biased, but they have replays for home runs to see if there's fan interference. But if yeah. the ball's going over the fence, the fan can't interfere. And well, the craziest part of that is they said that Betts was going to catch it, and he's closing – or is it Bradley Jr.? Sorry. Uh, he's yeah. closing his glove and was going to miss the ball before there was any fan interference. That, that was a horrible, but horrible if call. The ball's yeah. going, if the ball has crossed the over-the-fence line, that was still a fan a debate can me, interfere. Though. I, I, I do I think that's debate as well. Yeah, so yeah. what we know is clear cut is not that it was going out, but we know that he his glove was not on the way to catching it. Now right. they, they can the difference between MLB and other sports is they'll allow umpires to give judgment on what would have or could have happened. Mm-hmm. Other leagues you can only rule on what did happen. Right. So baseball so not you can award a base evidence. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was a crazy conclusion to come to that he would yeah. catch the ball. I still like that it's one of the worst calls that I've seen in, in an important game in a while. In the baseball. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a bad call. And then, and then, and then, after to for Joe West to stand by that call and be like, "No, no, I for sure made the right call." Nailed it. I think what really muddies the waters too is that it's not necessarily is this right or wrong. It's do you have conclusive evidence yes. based on what you yeah. saw to overturn what was called on the field? Right. And it's not necessarily well. This is so obvious, but is it conclusive? Yes, no. So I think that really muddies the waters as far as you know. We See, watch replay all the time in lots of sports, and we say, well, based on what I just saw, right. But is that conclusive? And yes, no. And and right? in the CFL, there's a lot of muddy rules when it comes to things of a moment in time. That's that's the that's the ruling when it comes to a catch fumble compared to an incompletion is did he have yeah. the ball for a sure. it's not like the NFL did he make a football move did he yeah. take two steps is did he have the ball for a moment in time See I I find the CFL's rules and what is able to be reviewed and all of that far too uh, far, yeah, it's muddy and, and too open to interpretation way a too lot much of gray, gray area. like yeah. I I don't think that you should ever be able to challenge some of the things that you're able to challenge and i understand why coaches do because you might get an overturn but like the rule to be in place for some of these 
judgment calls that are not cut and dried or black and white. That's yeah. a real a real slippery slope to go well, down. And even remember before Ambrosi switched the rule, I believe it was the beginning of last season or the end of the season prior. It was just like, why not challenge for pass interference all the time? Like exactly. It just completely ruins the flow of the game. Totally not in it's, the spirit of the rule and all of that. It's the challenging of a flag, the equivalent of a Hail Mary. You're like, well, I may as well try it. I mean... Yeah. And, and that's bad for fans. It's bad for the TV product. And it's I, bad I hate for it because it always happened big plays. It was a long touchdown, an interception for a touchdown, a fumble for sure. a touchdown. So just, let's, just, let's just throw it and to see bad. if there might have been pass interference. Yeah. It was throw the flag, then look at the iPad to see if you can find something. Uh, okay, on the other side of the field, it looks like somebody touched him. Let's try to get illegal contact. Yeah. And he would. And it would and it's bad for take the away all the, the big game. plays. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's bad for the flow of the game from both perspectives. Either on offense, if you make a big play and you want to get right back at somebody, because they can change personnel, they can do different things. And then from a defensive perspective, because if you create a turnover, offense a lot of times would go on the field, play action, go up top, right? But if there's a one-minute, two-minute break in between that to you know make sure that this wasn't play, it yeah. changes the whole complexion there. Yeah. So, I mean, things become a lot different as the, as the game goes on. By the way, um, n- noted Ryder fan uh, Kelly Kirsch says, yes, there is bias in replay calls. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is he is on board with the yes there is. I, I do feel I honestly I feel that there's bias sometimes. I don't think it's corruption. That's not the point I'm trying to uh, get Conspiracy. across. Every now and then it just feels like you kind of look at something you're like they're not going to call this pass interference because they need this team to win this game. So the district game's important next week. And you know and I'm not even talking about our games. I just I watch the game sometimes and I I look at a play and it, it's different. I'm a quarterback. I've, I've watched a thousand plays more and. Uh, I think when you watch an instant replay, I can say that's a catch, that's not a catch, mm-hmm. based off my football IQ. Um, but that's not what Toronto gets to do. They have to go by the letter of the law. Like, you know, is there conclusive evidence? Do we have a camera view that shows that conclusive evidence? Um, whereas football players, you know, we watch on the sideline, we see one replay. 90% of us probably think the exact same thing. Sure. Like, oh, that's pass interference. No, that's not pass interference. But when it goes back to Toronto, they have to go by letter of the law. That's probably that's probably why we feel biased yeah. when it comes to those. Yeah. Uh, I think that, that, that there's another big thing that plays in that because if, if there's a play that goes against the home team and you're at home, they're not going to show that replay on the scoreboard. And I don't know if fans at home realize that or not because yeah. if there's a play that might go against the Stampeders, they're not going to show that. Oh, yeah. If it's a play going against the Riders, that thing is up, and they are playing it over and over and over again so that the Calgary Stampeders, it's the home field advantage, right? Their coaches can take a good look at it, know if they want to throw the challenge flag and all those different things. Right, that's true. Hey, you lost two games to potential playoff opponents the last two weeks. We're 22 minutes into the bow show. We can come back and talk about uh, your oh, last yeah, game. We can talk about that? it always. Let's do it. We I want to know about, more. For about two minutes. I want to know more. Let's <laughs> we'll take we'll take a we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk over the last last uh, last two games and the, the final two games we have as well. Uh, you listen to the Bo Show on Sports at nine sixty the fan. This is the Bo Show. Hell yeah, yeah. On Sportsnet nine sixty the fan. The Bow Show for SML Entertainment. Pool tables, hot tubs, patio furniture, and much, much more. With four locations in Calgary, Cross Iron Mills, and Red Deer. Go to smlentertainment.com for details. All right, welcome back. So Pinder wants to talk about the last two losses, so we'll talk about it. All right, well, hey, listen, I don't care. What I'm thinking is some guy sitting in his car says, Bull Levi Mitchell's got his own show. I was at the game. And he doesn't give a bleep about Toronto-Ottawa tie race. He says, what went on against our biggest rival on that one good weather game you had at home all year? Wait, that's why y'all hired me? <laughs> wow. All right. Um, yeah, so 
going back to both the games, uh, first off, we've done something very uncharacteristic of ourselves. We've lost not only two games in a row, but we've done two games in a row at home. At home. Um, I can't tell you the last time it happened. It's been a while. But has it? Oh, I don't. For I games mean, that matter? Like before you clinched? For games that matter, it's been at least five years. Yeah. Like it might they, have happened last year. You, but it you lost consecutive yeah, not, home not since games. I've been a starter, no. Yeah. Never back-to-back home games like that, but you did, and you weren't starting. I wasn't the game. starting, yeah. But you, the, the, the team did drop two straight home games yeah, but right at the end last year, but they didn't mean anything because they already clinched at that point. Right. Um, yeah, man, I mean, uh, honestly, you look at the scores. We lost to uh, BC 26-21. Um, you know, you go to that game, we missed on a third and three where we're on the 20 or 25-yard line. We were, we're right there to go score a touchdown to win a game. Um, and then in SAS, we lose 29-24, also by five points. And, you know, we score on a two-point conversion, and then it gets overturned, which I do think was, was definitely the correct call. I don't think uh, Markeith actually got in, um, which would have made it a three-point game. And now we're just driving down to get a field goal instead of trying to score a touchdown. Um, so, I mean, I think there's things that, that obviously they play into it. There's a reason you lose a game. But um, the difference to me was in BC – I didn't feel like we had any fluid on offense. I feel like we were searching for things. Sass, I honestly felt like we were good on offense. I think um, we moved the ball well. We had big plays. We had long drives for touchdowns. Um, I had the one turnover down there in the end zone, which honestly, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'll still throw the exact same ball. Um, and I, I talked to Eric. I just hope he turns and makes that, that play against, um, you know, safety, which which we thought, you know, one-on-one, that's the guy you'd want to take a shot on with, with Eric. Uh so, yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're in the situation we want to be in um, at, at that point in the game. And, and honestly, I mean, even, even with that happening, even with the two-point conversion, getting overturned, you're looking at a 105-yard drive or a 100-yard drive for Sask, um, and there's like nine minutes left on the clock or something. I, mean, I don't know how much time's left, but they just waste the entire clock going down the field. And how often are you going to do that on our, on our defense? Not very often. Give them credit. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's not thing. easy. They, they played a very good game offensively. They hadn't scored a touchdown in 38 possessions, you know, and they put up uh, 29 points on us. And that's not something that's going to happen very often. It's not going to happen a lot. But offensively, they had a great game plan. They did things well. Um, we had two and outs that hurt the defense. Our special teams put our defense in some bad positions that game. Uh, it seemed like every kickoff, they returned to like the 40, 45, yeah. 50 and had short fields. And, and, and Lowther, um, you know, he hasn't missed. I don't think above 40 the entire year. The guy's – he's 20 of 20 on us against for field goals. Really? Uh, wow. And so he kicks a 50, a 49, and three other field goals. And, and so, hey, man, give him credit. They they made the plays in there. They, they played the better game to win. Um, and we're not going to make excuses about that. But what I would say is in that game, I think, you know, offensively, we only had the ball for 24 minutes compared to our typical 32. You mm-hmm. know, so that's eight minutes of offense that we normally have. Um that's two, take, or th- that's two or three drives. That's a significant oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, multiple sure. drives. Yeah, yeah that's, that's four to five drives typically um, where, you know, I think, I think uh, you know, it turns a lot of things around, makes some plays on the other side of the ball, and, and some things happen. How, how much, and I know you would never use it as an excuse, but how much of an adjustment and a learning curve is there for you and your new receivers in just everybody getting familiar with one another? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not easy, man. It's... You know, it's uh, it's learning a whole new offense. You know, it's we're calling the same plays, but um, you know, how many details do we need to take off it to make it uh, learnable for some of our new guys? And um, you know, for me, I, I've been here seven years, so there's not a play you can call that I don't know every single detail about it. 
Um, and sometimes that, that goes negatively for me because I expect a receiver to know that. You know, I expect him to know, yeah, we're not hot here, but technically we can be if they bring two to the back. I need you to know that. I need you to slant. You know, so I'm sitting there just pumping the ball, hoping he's doing it and he's not doing it because he didn't he didn't see anything for that to happen. And, and it's understandable. It's not something we've taught him yet because um, we're not we don't want to put too much on these guys' plate, man. But honestly, I feel last game I feel like they really did play well. Uh, I feel like there weren't many detailed mistakes. Um, I think they made plays on the ball one on one. Um, I think they won in man, which they didn't. You know, we didn't really do very well of the last two games. So uh, I think we're definitely taking the step in the right direction. But yeah, there's a learning curve. There's I mean, heck, when you lose six of your, you know, top receivers at some point in the year, but four of the guys are out for the entire season, you know, there's going to be a, yeah. a learning adjustment there. How much does it limit your ability to win when it matters? Because I, I understand guys understanding the the system takes time and reps and just figuring out all the nuances you're talking about. That's a thing. But yep. the other thing that we're not ignoring is that at the beginning of the year, when you had your pick of anyone – a lot of these guys weren't the guys that your coaching staff picked to be starters. Like, you're here by necessity. How limited is the offense going to be compared to what it could have been, or can you even go down that path? Yeah. I you're think, talking about, like, some of the best in, the, in three-down football at the position that are gone. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to – I think what we're doing right now is we're trying to – we're trying to say we're going to throw you in the fire, and, you know, if the mistakes are made, boom, that's a learning moment. So you'll live you know, with it. Yeah, right, right now, I, I will. We're trying to win a game. We're trying to win the West. But I believe more important than that, I believe the most important thing is that these we find out what we're good at, get better at it, find out what we're not good at, get better at that, and create an offense that can go win a great cup. You know, they can go win two or three games in the playoffs and, and make something happen. If that's if that's in the West semifinal, the West final, then that's what we have to do. Sure. Um, because – there are times when it comes down to the very last play of the game, third and three. You know, there's details that might not be there, and that's on me as a seventh-year quarterback and as a franchise guy to find something else. You know, yeah, I expect this guy to slant, but if he doesn't, shoot, find something. Mm-hmm. You know, make something happen, make a play. That's why you're the guy, and that's that's how I believe and, and look at myself. Sure. Is there plans to lean on the run game more, or is there personnel that – you could lean on the run game more that you guys get to the point where, you know, maybe I know that you're the you're the gunslinger, you're the quarterback that, uh, you know, CFL wide, everybody knows you as a guy that can make things happen. But due to personnel right now, is there an opportunity for you guys to really lean on the run game, get behind the O-line and, uh, you know, maybe turn you more into more of a game manager to make sure you guys win some football games here? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of what these last couple games have to be. Um, but – that's dictated by the defense. You know, I think in the first quarter we, we ran for 48 yards. You know, so we're on pace to run for 200 yards this game against Sask. Their answer was, your box. receivers are new. Right. Let's stack the box. Let's play man coverage and let's see if you can do it. And what we did is we went out and scored 24 points. Um, or, sorry, 17. We had a kick return for a touchdown. Uh, we went out and scored 17 points and, and 24 if I don't throw a pick in the end zone. So um, I think most teams' answers are going to be to stack the box. Uh, and not allow us to run the ball and force the receivers and myself to beat them. And I think there's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be inconsistency at times. But ultimately, I think we are absolutely, I believe, we are good enough to, if teams want to do that, to make that happen. Um, and there's, I think they're starting to understand there, there's things to be scared of with these guys as well. You know, you watch Chris go up and make a, a play over a guy that's body, 30 yards right. down the field yeah. on second 20. 
Um, you know, they drop eight, nine guys, and I find Eric on second and 20 for a first down. Uh, I mean, if you allow these guys to get out there and run, man, they can run and they can make plays over you. So uh, I think there's going to be times where teams try to stack the box, times where teams try to drop nine, and they try to mix it up and make things happen and, and hope some mistakes happen. And I think that's where, like you said, as long as I manage the game, take my shots into there, hit those shots, and we run the ball well, then we'll be pretty dangerous. Pretty big shocker that Bender would ask a question about run blocking. Run the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't y'all get in behind it. the whole line if, if and run win, every play of the whole the, game? If you want to win the game, you just got to put trust in your line. That's all it is. I told Berg, man. I told, I told Berg, hey, man. You're, you're six foot four, 330 pounds. Next time we go third and three, I'm handing you the ball. <laughs> He's like, no way. Uh, Berg, I, prefer, a, I prefer to play left guard. Berg's <laughs> a lot bigger than that, but yeah. That's <laughs> what the program says. Do you, uh, do you like, I know you need to, you want to go through the front door and you want to clinch with a win, and that's the most important thing, but do you look at these last two games as an opportunity to build a little bit more in terms of chemistry with your group of receivers and, and, you know, almost look at these last two games as a setup for your playoff game? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think, um, you know, we, we either have to win a game or Sass has to lose or one of us ties. And um, I would really like to win the West with a win, you know, not with Sass losing or a tie or whatnot. But at the same time, the thing I care about most, because I've been beat by a 9-9 team in the Grey Cup the last two years. Mm-hmm. I could care less what our record is at this point. You know, everybody always You're talks about... You're going to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, yeah, everybody. We're going to the dance. Everybody always talks about my winning percentage. I'll throw a couple losses out there if it means that we're going to get better. Now, if, if I have to throw some more one-on-one jump balls, like you say, not be a game manager, but make some miraculous plays uh, just to get a win, that doesn't make our offense any better. What makes our offense better is if I can go out there, manage the game, get these guys down the field, have some learning moments, which is good. I think having the learning moments is going to be good for this team in the playoffs. That's what ultimately will get us to a great cup, whether or not that's West semifinal, West final, or or, uh, or other. But, I mean, I would like to go out there and get a win to win the West. That's been our goal for a while. But um, ultimately, man, I want to see our guys playing better. I want to see defense playing better. I want to see special teams playing better. And, uh, and if they do, we will go out and win a game. All um, right. The feel around the locker room. This is probably the last one, then we'll jump in for a final break here. But uh, you could see there's a lot of reasons for frustration. You could see there's a lot of reasons to say, oh, woe is us. Look at all this bad stuff that's happened to us. But give us the what, – what is the mindset? Because you were telling me it's not that at all. Yeah, it's not, man. Uh, it was It's pretty interesting because, you know, JG came off the sideline, throws his helmet. Don came off the sideline, throws his helmet. Um, the, the guys that are – that it's necessary to go talk to those guys um, did and say, hey, man, listen, I understand you're frustrated. I'm frustrated. But if all 60 of us are frustrated and we all come off the sideline throwing our helmets, how does that look? You know, Does it help you win a great cup? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And that's what's happened the last two years. In the playoffs, we've we've split. It becomes offense versus defense, you know, because what happens is, and and this is natural, is all year the, the, um, the media hypes our defense. You know, they talk about our defense, how great they are, and, and this and that. And what happens is is we all get cocky. We all get confident. Because offense is like, whoa, 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 why aren't you talking about us? Like, don't forget, the reason the defense has these stats is because we hold on the ball and we score touchdowns. And the special teams like, wait, wait, what about us? Mm-hmm. We're, we've got – Terry's got four kickoff return for touchdowns. And we're putting the ball in the great position. And Mavers changing field position. And all this media happens, and, and it's not blaming you guys. It's natural. It's, it's what you guys want to talk about is what's going on in the year. And 
then in the playoffs, it's something happens, and, and you know, Sass, who hasn't scored in 38 possessions, all of a sudden drives down 100 yards and scores in the first drive. And you look at the defense, you're like, oh, where's that great defense? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, and then it becomes offense versus defense versus special teams. That's the past couple years. That's what we don't have on this team right now. And I think that's what I'm still very, very encouraged about. Because at this moment, that last game, I expected to see some infighting between offensive, defense, and special teams players, and it didn't happen. And I think that was huge. Um, but, yeah, like yesterday we didn't have a great practice. It's a short week. We try to put a lot in, and we didn't look great. And then this today, this morning, you know, I bring the team up, and I said, hey, man, everybody get in. Everybody get in real quick. I was like, and we have chapel on day one. And uh, and our chaplain talked about unity and, and, and how to build that. And I looked at these guys. I said, man, listen, I like, it doesn't matter what media says about this player, about this group, about anything. The only thing that matters is the white horse. The St. Peter's is all that matters. If we want to win a great cup, it's going to be whatever 12 are on the field, whatever 46 and 44 are on the on the field that day. I was like, but every single day right now, we got to put in work. I was like, so I looked at it. I said, defense, we've got y'all's back. We need y'all to have ours. If we only score 12 points, y'all can only give up 11. If y'all give up 50, we're going to go We're going to go score 51. I was like, but that's the unity we need to have for this team in order to take it all nice. the way to the end. Nice. Talk some NFL around the corner. I love talk some NFL. We'll talk some NFL right when we come back. Uh, you've got Pender Steinberg, Bender, and myself, Maddie Rose, back on the keys. You're listening to Bo Show on Sports at 960 The Fan. Back to the Bo Show for SML Entertainment. One, two, three. On Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Bo Show for SML Entertainment. Pool tables, hot tubs, patio furniture, and much, much more. With four locations in Calgary, Cross Iron Mills, and Red Deer. Go to smlentertainment.com for details. All right, welcome back. We talked some CFL. Let's talk some NFL. Uh, texting any question, 960-960. If you need to ask who to start, don't ask me. I went one and two this past week. Oh, um, It was rough. I played Melvin Gordon. In London. Don't do that next time. I did the same thing in my other league. Oh, like how much shame do you feel when you? It almost happened across the board. Like, yeah. I don't know that I've heard of a league where someone didn't did, you. But didn't you get, get the? Didn't you get the alert in time and then just forgot? Yes. I was up late enough on Saturday that I got the alert, but I'd forgotten it was. So what time start. did the alert alert come in? Probably I don't remember, but I would think it'd be between eleven thirty and twelve thirty in the morning, somewhere in there. Okay. And you didn't just go right in on your I should have, and, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'll fix that tomorrow. And then you Dummy, sucked Dummy, they're in London. Yeah. <laughs> Chargers fan. How much shame do you feel? Not yeah. much. Uh, Did you still win not, the matchup? Not much. Uh, that league, I got absolutely pummeled. It was so good. It Everyone had a bad week, so same thing happened to Bo this week. So, Bo, Bo had, you play, had you played, Gordon, you would still not have made it. Yeah. So it doesn't so matter. Okay. That feels not, so that, yeah, definitely felt better. Uh, I'm currently trying to make a trade with Bender. Really? Who's sitting right next to me. That's uh, You guys need a timeout there and go chat in the corner Derrick Henry <laughs> for Nick Chubb you could do that make it happen Whoa, zero. Right zero. text it in shake on it is that a deal text I, it in is that a deal Bender just said it. yes is that a deal you're doing you want to do that uh, well, I'll, let me send take a look it, I'll send it let you decide who's going each way just because so I have three guys on a bye I need a running back this week okay so tell us who's got which player I've got Derrick Henry and you want to send him over to 
the bendo. Yeah. I, I got Nick Chubb, but I also have Adrian Peterson, and I got Tevin Coleman, and I got Carlos Hyde. All right, all right. So I got lots of running back dope. Yeah. Okay. He's been trying, he's been wow, trying to pawn Hyde off on me. I've been trying to pawn Hyde off on everybody. Ha- let's be serious. Hyde is inactive, so. I don't know what's going to happen there, and I don't want to be involved with it. Yeah. You should go ahead and get him, get him <laughs> inactive on your roster as well. Jacksonville season in a nutshell. Yeah. It's not been good. Um, all right. Let's let's say uh, we we did it a couple weeks ago. Let's get back to it now. Who's who, who's the biggest surprise this year so far? Fantasy player, fantasy, fantasy, not just NFL. Who we? Well, Mahomes. I was it. Mahomes is the first one that came to my mind because uh, what the, what's the track record for guys of his sort of pedigrees? They come in and they're good, but they're not the top player in fantasy. They're not better than the Brady's and you know those are the stars at quarterback. He has been. Like, he's legitimately been the top fantasy quarterback, and I don't think it's close. Like, he's been better than Breeze. He's yeah. been better than – to go from one start in 2017 to best fantasy quarterback in 2018, that's a leap no one saw coming. I would go with James Conner. I think that uh, when we saw Le'Veon Bell leave, we thought that there would be a big drop-off with whatever running back they put in there. And uh, he's got seven rushing touchdowns, 450 rush yards. And they didn't run the ball for the first yeah. month. And another yeah. 257 They should have more than that. So, I mean, that was a guy and that he helped, a lot. he helped tremendously in the pass game as well. Totally. And He's that was one both. of the guys that was drafted, you know, round five, six, seven, whatever, in a lot of leagues. And uh, if we redrafted everything right now, he'd be top ten. Where does he go? Because uh, I don't know if they're going to trade Bell. Like, this, this story's changed a thousand times. Man, but it sounds like they, they are not keen on trading him, given that co- compensation for, uh, for him leaving as a free agent is about the same as they're going to get on the trade mm-hmm. market. So why not? throw him back in the office what happens to connor then well let's say Le'Veon bell comes back week nine or ten or whatever they're saying so that he can accrue the year yeah probably takes him two to three weeks to get back so Le'Veon but, bell but does it well what's <laughs> what's he been doing for the last three months we don't know he hasn't been at the steelers facility he's not been there yeah they sounds like he's been in miami i don't know a lot of guys that spend a lot of time in miami and enjoy you know don't go out and enjoy themselves so yeah, uh, sure, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting to see who he is when he comes back. Todd Gurley hasn't been a surprise, but he's been he's incredibly been dominant. If you look at his game log, like if a bad week, 17 points, then you can live I'm, with that. I'm going to go a different way, and I'm going to say that instead of a Madden curse, I'm the fantasy curse, and I'm going <laughs> to go Leonard Fournette. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially because that injury sounded like it'd be short term, and it's been it the exact did. opposite. Every was, week, you're like, "Well, Fournette's got to be back this week," and then yeah. nope, the Elvin's oh, yeah. at the top of the depth he, chart. He and... practiced this week. Like, then why aren't you playing? And then the one game he plays is a game time decision, and you made the decision to play, which means you're probably healthy, and you should be healthy. If not, you shouldn't be playing. But they decide you're going to play. You take one carry and pull yourself out of the game. Yeah, dude. I drafted David Johnson last year, gone for the year. I drafted Leonard Fournette on two of my three teams this year, uh, gone. Like, this guy is not doing it. There's it's, there's two for me that would be biggest surprise. Trubisky's turned into a decent fantasy yep. quarterback. Fantasy and for sure. and yeah. a decent quarterback. He's actually been all right overall. But was, for our purposes, Mitch Trubisky's been fine, especially the last number of weeks. I mean, again, against New England, he was, he was a fine fantasy play. And, you know, most fantasy experts are saying, yeah, he, you should – you don't need to be streaming if you've got Trubisky. You can play him fairly confidently. And last year he looked like Trent Dilfer. They weren't letting him do anything. Absolutely. It was game manager yeah. 101. It was, there it really was, was nothing going on. And you, you wondered why, but if that's what it took to get him to here, okay. 
The other guy to me, it's, and it's not a massive shock, but, you know, we didn't know which way Detroit was going to go with their running backs. They had a number of different guys they could look to. Carryon Johnson's turned into their feature back and has turned into one of the more dangerous fantasy running backs. He's he's a little more boom and bust than some guys, but well, he's a pretty the, dangerous fantasy back right now. Took him a month to win that job outright, too, so you're only starting to see it now the last yeah. few weeks. And they had a bye mixed in as well. How about this? Adam Thielen's the number two wide receiver. I don't think that's a surprise at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at him last year. You no, know, he had a good year. He had a good year. He but if you, if you were going to say this guy has been better than Hopkins, better than A.J. Green, better than Antonio Brown, better than Odell, you're like, well, I, I, I would, those guys I would have assumed he would be better than every one of those guys except Antonio Brown. Okay, yeah. Brown's, Hopkins, Brown's been the guy that's yeah. been the man for five years there or whatever. So, yeah. Okay. I would assume that the, yeah, the quarterback situations had, aren't great. Also. He had a great year last year. Him and Stefan, he's got a. I mean, he's got a great receiver on the other side of him, um, yeah. which I think Stefan has been garnishing the number one DB the entire year. Really, I do. Yeah. I think that's why his numbers are low. Huh. I think that's why Adams are high. But Adams a great receiver, so you know he is the number one, and the number two DB isn't covering number one receiver, and he's been a big compliment of that, and the fact that his quarterback. He got up that quarterback. You know, he went from Case Keenum to Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins is a far better quarterback, I believe. Yeah. No, I think that no running game that. just hasn't been able to get going there either. We've seen Dalvin Cook's been hurt most Man. of the year. And just the last couple of weeks, we've seen a little bit from Murray, but uh, you know, he wasn't doing anything But we all know who that. Latavius Murray is. Yeah. Latavius yeah. Murray is all of a sudden yeah. not going to spring into a 100-yard uh, guy every game. Like, yeah. we know who he is. So. Vikings are 4-2-1 and, and a little scary because they they're only starting to look like a, a good football team, and – that hole they put themselves in. They're two games over 500. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's teams that have bad starts, but they're not four two and one. Like that's they've survived it. If they can actually make some strides they on the defensive side, of the right? Yeah. One of those losses is against the Rams too. And the Rams beat everybody. So yeah, yeah. Sure. game against the Rams. They're four one and one. Jeez, yeah, for a miserable start, you can mm-hmm. live with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question because, <laughs> I mean, I hope it doesn't happen until the Great Cup, but. And I hope they're playing us when it happens. But will Lewis Ward miss a kick the rest of the year? Man, that guy is dialed in. <laughs> like, he's the most accurate kicker in a single season in the history of the sport. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. What's, Not, the, what's the, the number right now? What 50, is he at? 50. 50. That's, yeah, and he's broken 50 pro 50? football records, right. and he's broken. Oh, no, not, not 50, 50 for 50. He, he missed, missed one very early yeah. and then hasn't okay. missed He's got 50 consecutive. So he's broke the pro football record. He's broke the CFL record. He's like, Rene Paradis is like nowhere to be found now because he's passed him. Like, it's crazy yeah. what he's doing There's right There's a big difference in kickers now than there was, you know, 20 years ago. Right? With, if they had to kick on grass and there was bad elements or whatnot, rain, snow, whatever it was, it was really hard to get footing. Now, almost everywhere you play is field turf. Almost everywhere. So, you know, cooking percentages, if you were to look at them from 10, 15 years ago, for sure. now, way better now. So, you know, well, we and, look at these guys and we say they might yeah. be the best kicker ever. Well, if a lot of those other guys played on turf and had the sure. same conditions, they might be able to put up the same numbers. Right, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great point. And rules have changed as well. Totally. You, know, you, can't, you can't pyramid over guys. You can't jump over the snapper anymore. Uh, there's a lot of blocks that, that, you know, that's and that's how Renee stopped. Yeah. Renee stopped at 43 with the block. With the block. That's mm-hmm. right. I remember that. So. Uh, 48 of 49 for field goals. That's pretty yeah. darn impressive this year. Never mind the extra points, which aren't gimmies anymore. Right. Yeah. yeah. Guys, guys, an absolute machine. Is that and best teams player of the year? 98 percent. Like, wow. There's not like a, there's not a returner that's had you know six kickoff returns. Yeah. Like Rainey's been kind of 
inconsistent absent all and year absent. Until his last and, game. Yeah, so I man, but did he not look like himself last game? He looked like yeah, he looked like Chris Rainey from last year. He was unbelievable. The one the one step, man, that, that one step head nod that only Chris Rainey can do. Yeah. He him, is him and Roy so Finch. dangerous in Quirk. open space. Real quick. We'll see. <laughs> Please. Please. Any uh any text line fantasy questions? Let's see what we got on the uh on the text line at nine six oh nine six oh. Um say Keenan Allen and Nelson Aguilar from my team picking up Adams and Carson. Uh any good. I'm sorry, picking up who? So he's getting Adams and Carson and then trading away Allen and Aguilar. Oh, I do like trading away Keenan Allen. He just hasn't been getting the touchdown volume. That uh, you want. See, I think that he might though. It's overdue in that Man. offense in my mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a bad trade. I don't know enough about Aguilar. I have Aguilar. Um, he was good-ish all year, and then once uh, Alshon came in, Alshon started taking away his touchdowns. Yeah. Well, and what's Carson? Like, I'm sorry, that's a three-headed monster. Though. They got Penny. Yeah. They got him. And then they got Adam or Davis, the big boy. Like he's probably a week. It looks like one's the starter and the other guys, and then it completely changes the next week. Why do you want part of a platoon? As the year goes on, they're going to play that rookie more and more, and Penny too. So I mean, I would stay away from that. Jameis Winston or Mitch Trubisky? Uh, That's probably a week to week, unless you have to trade him. I would. I'll say this about Jameis on defense. Jameis, the end of last year, I think seven of his last eight weeks, he was a top five fantasy quarterback. I think it was and. That offense has got playmakers all over. They got four or five receivers. They got two tight ends that can catch the ball, uh, and they can run it okay. Is Deshaun back or is he still out? He had a rushing touchdown last week, did he not? He was playing last week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But they got weapons weapons. all over. Like uh, Humphreys guy, Godwin, Godwin. Evans, Deshaun. They just don't have any running backs. Two tight ends, Brade and uh, OJ. Yeah. Like that's that's an offense that even if they lose, and and I don't think their defense is great, like they're the kind of team that. They're going to need to throw the ball a bit in the second half. Exactly. I, I don't mind I, having I, I do like Winston that. at all. Yeah. So against the teams, like, uh, like he, I'm not playing them against a Jacksonville or somebody like that, but, um, yeah, I don't know what their matchups are, but I, I'd base it off matchups, and then I'd say uh, I'd probably lean Jameis at times. But like you said, Trubisky's been He's been, been a solid. good player. He's been, been a solid. good player. Showing some ceiling, I didn't think we'd see this, especially after last year. Yeah. All right, we're way over. All right. Well, Both. guys, Good appreciate y'all. Top titty, hell yeah. Bender, really appreciate you joining the Bo Show, man. Uh, sure, I'll see y'all next me. week, and uh, hopefully we can go out there and clinch this week. Atta boy. Bo Show is brought to you by SML Entertainment Pool, tables, hot tubs, patio furniture, and much, much more. Five locations in Calgary, Cross Iron Mills, and Red Deer. Go to smlentertainment.com for details. Well, plenty of negative coming from last night's loss in Montreal, but I've got one positive to throw at you. That's how we'll kick off the daily Calgary Flames roundtable, 120 seconds away. Pinder and Steinberg resumes next. Sportsnet 960, The Fan.